The year is 2003. I'm Dave. I'm Charlotte. I'm Ernie. And this is My Marvelous Year. Podcaster Reading Club, where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today, you're listening to 2003 Part 2. This is a big, interesting episode. We are going to talk about the comics Truth, Red, White, and Black, all seven issues, and The Crew, all seven issues as well. Although, I will talk about <laughs> some edits I may have made uh, to the to the curated essentials of the crew as we talk today. Um, but again, all issues are included in the show notes. Uh, you can always find them there for free. Or if you are so inclined, you can get access to the full Reading Club spreadsheet as to be the first to know when it's updated by backing us over at patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear. Now, today for this conversation, we have a very special guest as well as a very special co-host our very special co-host is, of course, the one and only, my only co-host, Charlotte Fierro. How's it going, Charlotte? Hi there. Doing good and doing good. Excited to talk about some really, really interesting comics. Absolutely. Absolutely. As am I. And our guest today is someone I talk to uh, almost exclusively about X-Men. So I'm excited <laughs> to talk to them about something other than X-Men for once. It's Ernie from Blurred Without Fear. How's it going, Ernie? Doing great. Doing great. Feeling fantastic. Actually, ready to talk about... Uh, well, I'll I'll save my opinion, but <laughs> about, uh, some yeah. very interesting books that uh, I've read uh, on more than a few occasions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited to have you here for this. I think it'll be a good one. Um, okay, so we're going to dive in. Let's do this. Again, for folks who uh, like Marmoroth Year Club, thanks so much for your support. Again, you can always back us over at patreon.com slash year if you want to get access to cool things like uh, the full spreadsheet, access to the exclusive Slack club, or early access to Charlotte and Zach's new podcast, Extra Issues. The first uh, episode of that, maybe the first two by the time this comes out, are out in the wild. You can subscribe to Extra Issues for their conversation, basically about non-big uh, two superhero comics, right? But it's going to be different themes, different topics every month. Um, Charlotte, you guys, you started with... Uh, with Watchmen and and what's the next one going to be? Planetary. I is that right? think Planetary is episode two. Yeah, some really really interesting discussions we had there um, with one one of the most famous comics on Earth, um, and then one comic that I hadn't read and that was uh, really interesting to talk about. Like I think we were really really proud of uh, of that first batch of comics. So yeah, oh, of uh, of episodes. Uh, so please uh, feel free to to check. Yeah, and that's um the theme is superhero subversions. So yes, I'm very curious. Exactly. I haven't listened to the planetary episode yet, so I'm I'm very interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. But today we're talking Marvel. We're talking Truth, Red, White, and Black by Robert Morales, Kyle Baker, and collaborators. This book uh, obviously is everything we're talking about. Came out in 2003. It has gotten a second wind and then some, following both the the attention to racial discrimination in America in 2020. Um, not that that started there, but they got enhanced 
attention, certainly, after the, the murder of George Floyd. And, uh, and then also in 2021, following Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney+, and the use of Isaiah Bradley, um, a character there who Sam Wilson meets for the first time, learns about that legacy. If you've watched the MCU version of this, this is the source material. Truth, Red, White, and Black, this is where Isaiah Bradley is created and comes from as the original Captain America. Um, spoilers will follow. Okay, I don't. I don't know that we always announce this. Like it is. It is assumed that if you're listening, you're reading along in the club. But definitely, we're going to talk about these comics in detail and spoil some things. I highly recommend you go and read them. Okay, I. I just want to lead with this. Truth, red, white, and black. I've read it probably three times in the last two, three years now. But I also read it the first time in like 2013, when I was putting together Combo Herald's Captain America reading order for the first time. And you know, it's like it's like that scene in um, Back to the Future. Where it's like, oh, you guys don't get this, but your kids are gonna love it. <laughs> I, I so didn't get it. I, I, I listen. Like it's shameful, and but I just want to be honest. Like at that point in my life, mm-hmm. um, I didn't get it at all. I was completely perplexed by what this was. I was like, is this like an Elseworlds? Right? Is this like a what if? No, no, it's in continuity. Like this happened. This counts. Um, I, Kyle Baker's cartooning style Mm -hmm. was absolutely like i was like it's so cartoonish you know the bulbous nose on merit and and just like these exaggerated things like i was absolutely unprepared for it um not to the point not what you expect out of like an early 2000s very realistic (laughs) yeah superhero comic like it feels like this should be some brian hitch style art very realistic cinematic Mm -hmm. that's not what it is at all but i kind of love it for it like it's I can't imagine it with another art style now. Like it's, it works so perfectly with uh, with what they're trying to do. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. I absolutely love it now. At the time, I was complete. So, if you read this and you were befuddled by it, I want to tell you you're not alone. I want to tell you you're not alone. But I also want to tell you there is so much value in this. It is so flipping good. Give it a second chance mm-hmm. if you have that experience. Hopefully, yeah. you know, maybe you're like, what are you talking about, Dave? You're, you're a fool, which is fair. I was. Um, <laughs> I hated it the first time I read it. I Did ab- you? Okay. I absolutely. Yeah. I hated the art. I hated the art. I thought it was, I, I don't I don't like using this uh, uh, word often to describe uh, other people's artistic endeavors. I thought it was fugly. And <laughs> I did not yeah. like it. I thought it was gross. I thought it was disgusting. I was like, my child can draw better than this. But, you know, uh-huh. with the benefit of, like, continuing the story, my opinion did change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, same, same. By like, issue and, two or three, I, I was over it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, now now I recognize what basically everyone in comics knows, which is Kyle Baker's flipping amazing. Yes. <laughs> like Kyle, so Kyle Baker is the cartoonist here and storyteller. Kyle Baker is incredible. Um, and and seeing this work and and the work that Robert Morales is doing writing this is super fascinating. Uh, so again, if it didn't click for you, I get it. I would say return to it at a later date, or maybe listen to what we have to say about it and kind of take it with that context because there's a lot going on here that I just simply was not prepared for. Um, it is, you know, Charlotte, you're saying there like it doesn't fit with 2003. It is a flipping miracle that this came out as it looks and as it did in the wave of marvel knights realism and yeah. and this era of you know alex Maleev daredevil right and and like you said brian hitch ultimates like it is so 
far removed. But it it also speaks to, I think, a willingness to experiment mm. that Marvel had in the early 2000s, especially in the early days of the Joe Quesada, you know, editor-in-chief period, where... I don't. I doubt they even knew the kind of swing they were greenlighting. Frankly, <laughs> that this would be a book that twenty years later people would be like, "Holy cow! I can't believe Marvel published." Because this is a I can't believe Marvel published a book that is this, frankly, black. Mm-hmm. That is that is that is this is sort of unflinching in its approach to American history and the problems with that and the mm-hmm. racism ingrained in our institutions. It is a book that if it came out today, people would lose their minds. Oh, if they would call it oh, woke. Yeah. Talking like, about it. This is woke. It would 100%. 100%. What's this? SG- Do people even say SJW is a pejorative anymore? I don't I don't really pay attention, but like that that's Only the lamest. Only the, la- only the okay. lamest circles. Any, yeah. Anyone who says it with a straight face and is 100% serious, yeah. I don't take serious, so I'm just like it's whatever. Um but yeah, no, they would call it woke. This would be woke totally. SJW uh trash is what this would be yeah yeah and it's and it it is because oftentimes when those labels are getting applied to things there's a lot of very bad reasons um but what there's a the thing that bothers me the most about those labels is there's often sort of a self-hating jealousy mm-hmm. where it's like sort of an anger at yourself for not seeing what other people are seeing, mm-hmm. right? So it's like a, almost a, an anger and a jealousy that like, oh, you think you're so special because this opened your eyes to something you didn't know about. And it's like, I don't think I'm special because of that, but I really appreciate that this work opened my eyes to things I didn't know about. Um, like the the definition of woke, listen, we don't need to spend a podcast on this, <laughs> but at its very in a very literal sense, it, it is like, are you awakened to something that you were not familiar with previously? Mm-hmm. I will never view that as a bad thing. No. Intellectual curiosity to me is an essential component of humanity. Okay, mm-hmm. off my soapbox. Truth is incredible. Um, Charlotte, let's start to you. What was this? Is this the first time you read this? What was your reaction reading this for the first time? Um, uh, if it was. It's technically the second time, but the first time was like barely a year ago, I think. So pretty fresh still. Um I, I mean, I I love that comic, and I'm every time I read it, I'm so surprised that something Marvel published, yeah. like whether it be twenty years ago or even today, like they've I don't know they've never um, I've never seen a comic like this outside of like indie comics. Like it feels like mostly Marvel comics aren't allowed to be this black, or even like for other comics are never allowed to be this queer or this like other. Non-white, non-straight, non and here like it's it's a very black comic, but like it feels so unapologetic in mm. in that like you know I don't know it feels and it feels barely like a superhero comic like I think the what I love most about this compared to other superhero comics or even even compared to like the Falcon Winter Soldier adaptation is mm-hmm. that it's not about Captain America really at yeah. all like it's using that mental that like that legacy to talk about very real issues of, uh, of race and discrimination and very real suffering. Um, but it's not about Captain America in a way. I think the show fucking Winter soldier is about Captain America before mm-hmm. being about issues of race. Um, yeah, I think like it's, it's really impressive, honestly. Um, and uh, it's annoying that it didn't get, I think the legacy it deserved. Uh, we'll talk about it, uh, about the legacy. We got to talk with, with that. Crew. 
Yes, um, we got to talk about that for sure because it feels because of that it feels so isolated, um, and people uh-huh. talk about it here and there because because of the adaptations and stuff like that. But like they don't talk about it enough. It's it's impressive that Marvel published this. I'm impressed by this comic in a way that I haven't been by any other superhero comic. I feel like mm. it's yeah yeah it's incredible. <laughs> Ernie, you you bailed me out by saying you didn't you didn't appreciate it at first either, which I which I appreciate you for for acknowledging. How, where are you at? Where are you at with it now? Uh, I mean, I love it. I love this comic. It is something that I feel is. I feel like it has a very important message, very important story to tell. Uh, it tells the story well in a way, like yeah, and and something to you to kind of buttress what Charlotte was just talking about is it doesn't feel like a Marvel Marvel comic per se. Like yeah. it feels this seems like something I would expect from like Image Comics. Like I would expect an mm-hmm. Image comic about something like this where there's a little bit more free reign yeah there's the yeah there's typically more creator say in you know what is put into a story and this like if you told me you know, going into this uh because i did not read this back uh when it initially came out i you know i didn't read this until like maybe several years after the fact uh i would even dare say yeah. it was probably closer to about the same time like 2012 maybe 2013 uh, around the time I finally got a chance to sit down and read this, but like, yeah, if someone tried to pitch this to me when it was like coming out fresh, uh, in, in all the shops, that you, know, yeah, dude, check out the story, uh, check out the story about uh the you know, this this black man who goes through this you know these harrowing. Uh, trials that are very reminiscent of the you know, Tuskegee syphilis experiments and the the inherent uh, racism of not just uh, the United States as a country, but the inherent uh, and systemic racism of the United States military as a whole. I would have been like, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Marvel's really going to let that book come out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but no, they did. And um, it's a very, like, it, it's a heartbreaking story. It's a very heartbreaking story. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things in it that feel very real. And, and you know, and, and because these, you know, not to say that the United States government, you know, ever has done anything on this level as far as creating super soldiers, but the, the, the fact that, yeah, a lot of what is coming out here, stuff that is, you know, inspired by real-life events, it's it's scary. It's scary to, to be reminded. Uh, and, I, and But I think it's mm-hmm. a, a story that, you know, I think it would help people maybe, you know, research or look into, if you are an open-minded person or <clears throat> woke person or open to <laughs> yeah. being woke uh you know rather than being asleep i feel like this book did for i think me and a lot of other people what shows like watchmen on hbo did for a lot of people that made them yeah look up their history and realize that maybe it wasn't as sanitized as you thought it was <laughs> right so right. yeah i think i think that's essential i think that's one of the i don't know there's a certain like I think kind of shame or like this feeling of 
of being less than or just feeling dumb, frankly, mm. with with like a Watchman, for example, where it's like, I'd never heard of Tulsa, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, what does that say about me? What does that say about education systems? You know what I mean? But it's like, all right, take take your personal failings <laughs> out of this. And it's like, there is value in entertainment and media mm. encouraging that research, I think. Um, and I think truth is very much in that camp mm-hmm. of... Okay, what were the Tuskegee experiments? What are we what are mm-hmm. we referencing here? Um, when literal Hitler tells Isaiah Bradley he was inspired by the American Immigration Act of 1924, mm-hmm. what is that history? Right? Let's look that up. Let's 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 read about that. Um, there's a lot of value in that historical context. So, just for a little bit of plot for folks who um, need a little recap or, or haven't read it yet. You know, so this is the story primarily of Isaiah Bradley, um, but it is also a story of a group of of black Americans who get pulled into the military during World War II and are experimented on um, in order to further the research into the super soldier formula, right? And we see their journeys and we get to know them. Um, the first thing we see is Isaiah Bradley with his wife or maybe fiance at the time, like mm-hmm. on Coney Island, right? And there's just like, there's a joy to their romance. There's a sweetness to it. Um, and then, of course, that is countered as this book progresses by the sort of revolting progression of, you know, everyone Isaiah meets who's experimented on, you know, they die. They undergo horrific um, ends in the in the service of a military trying to get to the super soldier formula that ultimately makes cap, right? Mm-hmm. But with Isaiah Bradley, what happens is it actually takes. Mm-hmm. It actually quote-unquote works at least in the short term and he's given the captain america abilities but is he made does america celebrate that right does does the military say oh we got it here's our cap no of course not um they instead basically um you know they they sideline him they're using that research but then he knows there are people in need in the war right so he steals quote-unquote um a captain america uniform puts it on and and goes and and performs a heroic deed just like Captain America would, right? Mm-hmm. He he embodies and and um, adheres to the role of Captain America, performs a mission, and his reward for that is court martial, put in prison, and then the effects of the super soldier serum we find out by the very end of this have um, he still has his strength, he still has his health, and actually eventually gets back to his family. There is a presidential pardon that comes, I think, during the JFK administration. Mm-hmm. Um, but he you know he he loses his his ability to think right he's reduced to the intellect of a child essentially mm-hmm. um it's a really heartbreaking story it is also incredibly relevant and and important so that's a very broad strokes plot i'm not doing it justice by summarizing it quite that quickly um but you know that is that is more or less what happens but what we learn is like and steve rogers is the one captain america you talk about this feeling creator owned the marvel universe component of it is steve rogers is sort of figuring this stuff out Mm -hmm. he's pulling these clues together he's learning about this for the first time himself um and and he is a player in terms of connecting dots and learning about isaiah bradley but he is not ever the focus he is not and there's no there's no moment of steve being the savior of isaiah and his family which i think is really important yeah um you know because he he can't it's already everything that has happened has already happened right we're, we're living here through flashbacks everything's done um captain america's role in this is is to acknowledge it essentially and and respect that it happened and and show his his gratitude and his support of isaiah and the family um 
it's a it's a monumental work. Again, I think the stuff Morales and Baker are doing here uh, would not feel out of place outside of the Marvel universe. The fact that it exists within it is kind of a gift to Marvel Comics fans. Yeah. Uh, but it is it is tough stuff to swallow. Yeah. Right. They are not easy truths to handle, and that's the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Right. Is truth, and I think that's so much of why we might view it as prescient for those of us who who are unaware of some of these you know heinous acts committed. Um, but uh, but you know it's it's about just like there's a sanitized history, and that's the one we know, and then there's real history, and guess what? That's kind of ugly, and and we have to reconcile that if we're ever going to do things better. Um, and I think that's kind of at the core of what is happening here. Um, Charlotte, let's throw it to you. Any additional thoughts in terms of the characterization, the addition of Isaiah Bradley? Um, any? And what are some major things that stood out to you here? Um, I, uh, several things. I think, first of all, I love the way uh, Steve Rogers is drawn in this. <laughs> he yeah. looks so goofy, but like in the best way. He's this like poster action hero that looks looks so weird compared to the rest of the comic, but he's perfect. Like, I love this version of Steve Rogers. I think as the um, kids say, he is caked up. Exactly. I think, yeah. I think that is what <laughs> they would say. Caked up to hell. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think, like, what I love about this in, in like, pure superhero Marvel Universe stuff, like, I think it's a perfect characterization of Steve Rogers, and it's perfectly dosed in how much Steve is in this. Like, it's not about him at all, but in the few scenes where he is, he's, like, he's perfect. Um, yeah. About the addition of Isaiah Bradley, like, um, it's weird because, like, it doesn't feel like an addition, both because it's not really picked up afterwards and because it just, it doesn't feel like the Marvel Universe, really. Um, mm-hmm. Even compared to, like, Crew, which we, we we read afterwards, that feels more, like, of a piece with the rest of the Marvel Universe, yeah. uh, even w- while doing different things. Um, yeah, I mean, a thought I had while reading this is that this makes the best case for superheroes, like those kinds of classic superhero characters reaching reaching public domain, because it feels like Mm. this is the kind of comic that we could get if (laughs) people were allowed to make uh, Captain America comics, Superman comics, etc., without being under the editorial... Directive, directives of Marvel. Like, we, we were talking about how much it feels like a miracle that this exists in in Marvel editorial. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't feel like a miracle. <laughs> we should have we should have way more right. of this kinds of comics, or like of way different comics, but that feel this different from the rest of uh, of what Marvel is putting out. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it's an insane victory, but it shouldn't be in a way. Fe- I feel like this makes me even more disappointed with the rest of what uh, Marvel <laughs> usually points, uh, puts out in a, in a sad way. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's an incredible comic, yeah. Ernie, on a reread, what stood out to you the most? What are the things that connected you? Oh, man. You know, there's a, uh, there's a shot, and uh, this is in the final issue of it, Um where you're seeing the wall, uh, like I don't want to call it a shrine, but yeah, you know, just a, it's like just a, a place where I, yeah, you know, Isaiah has all these pictures of like people that he's met, influential people, people that like you, you look at you like, oh, I know who that is. Oh, hey, I know who that is. Um, mm. and you know, I tell you what it is. It, this is gonna sound kind of wild. Um, cause it, the thing that stuck out to me, you included with that was i think 
this you, you we also kind of go back to a time where like you know Storm and Black Panther are you know getting married, and there's a scene in that uh that issue where uh Isaiah Bradley is wheeled in, yeah. and like I I thought it was interesting that like you because know, that was actually my introduction to the mm. character was was that, that guy yeah and I was like oh wow like you know. You know, Fal. I think it was like Falcon, Luke Cage. You know, missing. Like, they, they knew who Isaiah Bradley, but Wolverine mm. didn't know, which I also thought was kind of mm. funny considering he lived around that time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, we'll yeah. just say he was in Canada. He wasn't paying attention to what was going on down here. Uh, <laughs> but when it was like the importance and the reverence that they gave this character, that I had no clue who they were, and then going back and reading this book and then seeing everything that Isaiah Bradley had gone through, and then you know, seeing you know where he ultimately wound up. And, you know, the life that, you know, that he lived, what I would say, rather heroically. And then to see, like, all the people whose lives he touched, like, you know, you just see all of these different iconic, you know, people that you're like, oh, my God, they knew. They knew this guy. Mm -hmm. And it made him, it, mm -hmm. I don't know, and once it, it sounds crazy to say, you know, about a, about a comic book, but just, yeah, it felt real. It, 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 you know, it, 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 the, the more I go back and read it, it reminds me of like those biopics that, uh, mm. that, that come out, you know, the, the ones that are specifically engineered to make people cry and win Oscars. Like those are the only yeah. purposes. They, they don't really, I mean, yeah, sure. To tell the story about things that people didn't probably already know, but like, that's like, that's what it feels like. It feels like if this, if this were a movie made in 2003 as opposed to a comic, it would be that movie. It'd be that movie that'd be like, oh, hey, this movie's going to yeah. win a lot of Oscars. It's going to make a lot of people cry. And yeah. it's it just how much I still keep that feeling in my heart uh, with every uh, with every time I read it. That is <laughs> what all that is what sticks out to me every time I go back to it is that like my my outside of my initial opinion. <laughs> about it when I, when I first tried to read it uh like none of that ever changes i'm still just as heartwarmed i'm still just as sad and and even i would even say in some cases angry uh mm -hmm. you know because yeah. it's it's a reminder of the failings of a lot of our you know, our united states institutions uh it's the it reminds me of the failings of the world at that time and it's even kind of a harsh reminder that while things have changed, they aren't like entirely like 100% better either. So like, yeah, it's a, it's a comic that makes me feel a lot of different emotions, like a wide range of emotions, some good, some bad. And yet I still enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say with each reread, there's, if there's any one thing I probably take a little bit of like, uh, a little bit of umbrage with <sighs> the and, and while it's a very important story element just the, the the regression of isaiah bradley's mind yeah and and i actually blame falcon and the winter soldier for this because they don't use that plot point um that's in true. that tv right. show um but it makes me wish like man i kind of wish they wouldn't have done that because maybe they could have done something more with this character like later on and it would have been like really awesome but yeah. uh, that, that, right. that's all hindsight and, you know, pie in the sky level, uh, you know, you have stuff, you know, it's it definitely um, it heightens the tragedy mm -hmm. of him having been forgotten 
and imprisoned for his heroic actions, right? Mm. And then on top of that, now you have a character who can't relate to his wife. Mm-hmm. They have a daughter. Um, they have grandkids, mm-hmm. right? Eli Bradley yeah. is the grandchild of Isaiah Bradley. Eli Bradley is a patriot who's a character we have not yet met in the Mime Marvelous Year Club, but if you know a little bit about what's to come, you know that name. Um, but I, I do hear what you're saying in terms of like mm. the stuff that I did like about um, Falcon Winter Soldier, which was a, a messy show, I would say. Mm. Um, but some of the stuff I liked was like, yeah, Sam and Isaiah can have conversations. Yeah. And those were incredibly effective, I thought. Um, and that's a thing you just can't do quite here mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of so I had, not, I had not read this before but if you really like this story um robert morales so that he's a um afro-latino writer and he's working here with kyle baker who's black um but he goes on to write a, a mini captain america run it's from it's the captain america volume that's like 2003 to 2004 mm-hmm. it's pretty short-lived um it is that that run is so post 9-11 like it is everything about that run is creator's very literally dealing with the immediate fallout and what that means for America in a Captain America. Um, so in some ways now it feels, I mean, it is so rooted mm-hmm. in the moment um, in a way that like when the Brubaker run launches in 2004, it kind of, he's smart about going bigger, frankly, and more, more timeless, mm-hmm. um, which isn't, I, I get why they do it. It's not really a criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, in the Robert Morales run, the last two issues, which insanely are drawn by eddie campbell who did from hell with alan moore um <laughs> those the last two issues uh he brings isaiah bradley into the story actually you know this this character from truth and so this is probably 0304 captain america comics and um it's a multiverse where isaiah bradley was captain america and was celebrated for it and had since gone on to become president mm-hmm. um he was president from 05 to 2013 he says <laughs> And uh, and if that's not prescient enough, uh, it's a universe where comics are universally loved, and it's cool to like comics. So they were way ahead of the curve <laughs> on that too. <laughs> why do we? So we really want to say Bradley. Earth? Why? Why? Why are we here? Why are we not on that? Exactly. You know, can that be the? Can that be the main? Can that be the canon? Uh, you can see Earth six one six is the canon. You, uh, uh-huh. you uh-huh. Marvel comics, you universe, whatever we all we all read about. But can that yeah. be the one instead? <laughs> I, I think it should be there's there's a line that, that one of the characters says at a comic because everything everything like takes place at a comic con too because it's you know that's a cool place to be mm-hmm. and uh and one of the characters is like yeah people from other multiverses actually travel here because they prefer the continuity to their own <laughs> so it's like <laughs> not only not only do you get comics but you get to pick the the preferred continuity so yeah oh, i mean that's man. clearly the Earth i was gonna say that sounds better than the comic book fan representation in the in truth white and black which is the yes. old uh, the old racist guy who which sold, absolute sold drugs to miners and killed uh, black people during the war like <laughs> which i love how cartoonishly evil racism is mm-hmm. in, in truth like realistically so but like they they're all so dumb like it's a really (laughs) funny comic in some parts like it's very much not a comedy comic but there are some good funny moments him like hitler trying to convince him to to join the nazis and him and saying guys my wife would kill me that's that's a really funny moment in a a hitler scene which is like (laughs) it's incredible the 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 way that morales and baker pulled it off yes that scene stood out so much to me charlotte Mm -hmm. i was like oh wow like what a what a pacing what a line because it's that that scene actually the whole thing stood out to me a lot um but it's it's literal like the leadership of the nazi party is trying to sell Isaiah Bradley on, like, no, America, like, they don't respect black people, 
right? Like they don't, they're using you and they're awful to you. And I don't know if they're like saying it out loud, but there's like, we learned about eugenics from them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like, it's like, which is true, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's a thing yeah. where that's another element of truth where I'm like, you know, that's something I'm looking up where forced sterilization stuff that was happening in America, like the Nazis learned from that stuff. That's mm-hmm. gross, right? That's a part of our history that, that you need to reconcile to get better. Um, but anyway, yeah, they're giving the hard sell to Isaiah Bradley. And he's, <laughs> at the end of it, it's like, it's not a political answer. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, a counter about why no America is actually great. It's. No, guys, my wife would kill me. And <laughs> it really speaks to the heart of that character mm-hmm. and and why they connect. I love it. It's, it's, it's really smart. It's definitely a different take than like, like, because if it was if it was Steve, like if you to put Steve Rogers in that exact same scenario, which, yeah. by the way, I love Steve Rogers as a character. I think he's great because, you know, he's a guy who, by all accounts, should probably be just as racist and cartoonishly evil <laughs> uh, just based on the time that he came up and was raised but just the idea that this is a guy who's this old who's like the ultimate boomer but he's so woke (laughs) or at least open to the idea of being woke. he's open i mean he's open right he's trying he's like let me understand this like like steve would have given him the speech yeah Yeah. steve would have given him the speech he'd have been like no because you're evil and your ideals and everything everything you stand for is terrible I just like the idea that Isaiah wasn't that kind of guy. He wasn't the guy who gave the speeches. He was the guy who kind of he his actions spoke for him most of the time. And he was just like, yeah, no, this is my reason. No, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I that, that felt yeah. like something that like I could believably hear someone say, you know, in a situation yes. like that. Because I'm pretty sure he weighed his options. I'm pretty sure like in the time that Hitler was talking, he was like. Mm. No, I can't do it. And it's not—it's not like he's in a position of power, <laughs> right? Though, right? Like he's—you know—they have him. Yeah, he's and it's prisoner. not like the arguments are wrong. Like the, mm-hmm. the 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 background and everything around it is wrong, but like yeah. the actual arguments. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's hard to say, but he has got a point. Yeah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. the worst person in the worst. The worst person you know makes a good point. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Meme, where it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like a. Oh, I, I always hate the same because typically when people say it, it's usually like. It's incredibly problematic, <laughs> but it's it's actually a perfect case of right message, wrong messenger. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> wrongest possible yeah. messenger. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And I I do think too, like I think one t- one of the things that people who get upset about this type of story, right, or who get upset about calling attention to Indiana passing the world's first sterilization law in 1907 mm-hmm. or who get upset about the American Immigration Act and it's completely racist against all Asian, you know, mandates in 1924 or who get upset about hearing about the Tuskegee experiments, which denied treatment, known treatments to black men and black patients in Alabama with syphilis for like 60 years mm-hmm. as part of a they called it um, letting, basically letting nature take its course, but it was an experiment and they were not consenting um, and people died and people got diseases because of that. People get upset about that. I think a lot of times it's upsetting because it, it undoes an understanding and an easier reality of like, well, I just, it's unpatriotic not to love this place. It's un, you know, or like to not love America and to call out these historical details 
can feel right like a like a personal insult almost to where you're from as if it's an act of of hatred and i think the thing that i really like about steve rogers presence in this is if captain america the embodiment of speechifying why america's great right is open to learning about these things and and saying if i learn about that thing I have to make that better or I have to acknowledge and try to do not even to save it, right? Not even to fix it, but to acknowledge that so we so America can be better. If that's his attitude, right? Shouldn't we all approach it with a similar openness? And again, I know it's a story. Mm-hmm. I know it's a fiction, but like that's the metaphor. Yeah. That's that is why I think there's an importance to him actually because ha- you could you could tell this story without Steve almost mm-hmm. right and I think that's the creator owned element we're talking about and I think the fact that they include Steve but they don't lose and this is what confused me about it the first time where I was like well what's the Steve relevance here what's the continuity relevance what's the what comes out of this what's the legacy right and because that's how my brain works when I'm putting together a reading order <laughs> and it's like that is not the point that is not the flipping point. Um, although there is some stuff, there is some stuff certainly, and we'll talk about that in the crew. Um, all right, so I want to I want to move us to the crew before we talk about uh, the actual legacy of Isaiah Bradley and of his family. I think we should finish with that. Um, so, okay, here's my preface for the crew, and then I'll throw it to both of you to talk about. I could have easily just included issue number five, um, and upon rereading it. I kind of wish I had. <laughs> like <laughs> the, crew, the crew number five. So the crew is written by Christopher Priest, mm-hmm. um, who is is coming up on the end of his Black Panther run mm-hmm. at this point in time. Black Panther's still going, but we're we're nearing the end of what is a a pretty legendary and influential run. And the crew spins out of that in many ways. Many of the characters that we meet here or or are playing with, um, uh, the White Panther, um, even uh, uh what's the the Latin guy Junta. Is that it? Uh, with the gravity powers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Danny. This is Danny Vincente. Um, you know, he's out of the Black Panther run. Uh, you got a really weird take on Jim Rhodes' War Machine, which is like totally different than anything you've ever seen anywhere. Yeah. And then you get Josiah X, this new character who is the legacy to come out of truth, like an immediate build that Priest adds to the scene. And the Josiah, Josiah X story, which is very much a sequel to truth, that's an issue number five. So that, if you're going to read only one issue of this um or if you read the first issue and you're like what is this comic uh read number five because it plays with truth very nicely and we could talk about that um ernie let's start to you first what do you what do you think about the crew (laughs) i'm gonna be brutally honest please do i don't like it a lot I let me you know, let me let me uh, yeah let me put it better. Um, I like what it's trying to do. Uh, I like the focus on characters like War Machine and uh, you know Josiah X and you know so on and so forth. However, when I and I had kind of forgotten how much I did not like the writing uh, yeah. in in this book. It's the first issue. I, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. If you try and read this, your barrier for entry is 100% how you feel about War Machine and how he's written in the first issue. Mm. Um, mm. I would definitely agree 
that you could just read issue five, and I think you'd be better for it. Yeah, I don't think anyone should read uh, much of the rest of it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. it's very and you know I, this is largely I I lay this at the feet of all Christopher Priest books. I'm going to be the guy who's going to say the thing that most people aren't willing to say. I think Christopher Priest is a fantastic writer when he's not writing black people. Hmm. Uh, at least around this time frame. Like, back in the day, sure. But, like, I feel like a lot of his takes, his the way he writes black people often comes off as cartoonish. Uh, yeah. it, it's it, it honestly when I read the dialogue that he gives a lot of the characters to say, I feel the same way I feel when I would go read a comic from like the sixties and seventies when yeah. you or like I I always I always granted not Marvel but I always like to use when DC introduced uh, John Stewart's Green Lantern as an example because that was probably. I won't say the worst, but it was definitely one of the most standout. Like, wow, this dude's dialogue is terrible. He's like, what's it? You jive turkeys? Like, that's that's yeah. what it, like, they're not saying jive turkeys in this, at least not that I remember. If, if your jive talk literally includes the use of jive yeah. repeatedly. <laughs> yes. It's, it's <laughs> like, like I, come on. I can't take it seriously. I cannot. Um, And, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Reading, reading the crew reminded me yeah i actually like it better in christopher priest is outside of his wheelhouse and writing like i won't say outside of his wheelhouse when he's just not i, I kind of get why he one day said he didn't want to be the guy who was just known as being the black guy who writes black characters i get it and mm -hmm. i kind of deeply understand why he feels that way because honestly i think he's terrible at it um mm -hmm. But uh, like he can tell, he can squeeze out a good story here and there. But I just feel like, yeah, the, with the crew, it just reminded me. I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather he didn't. I'd, I'd rather because the the Jim Rhodes take. So the <laughs> the first four issues <laughs> are first off. I don't. That's an interesting take. I don't disagree with you on the. I don't like this series. Yeah, I just don't. I love issue five. Mm. I think it's really good as a sequel to Truth. But as a series, I find it really dense and hard to get through, mm. frankly. It is a fascinating book in terms of it existing. Yeah. <laughs> like structurally, <laughs> its focus, like everything about it, it, it. It's it's not dissimilar from Truth mm. in the sense of like, this got the green light? Yeah. <laughs> like this book. But for a different like, reason. Pitch? For a different reason. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, Black Panther was doing well. Like, good, good great. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you got the crew out of it. And it's not conceptually, just on a conceptual like who gets at bats level it's a cool idea to have a really diverse cast of heroes coming together and kind of forming like a defenders like you know street level crew you know doing their thing um it is though it's like the one character who a majority of fans would have any recollection of right or any any kind of a attachment to is jim rhodes and he's in a really dark place um his his sister just died, I think, in a drug deal gone bad. Yeah, I, I, mistaken, or maybe a drug overdose. I think it was. A, I think it might. I think it was a drug overdose. I, I, I just, it's the fact that she keeps just getting referred to as a crack hoe. I, okay. I just, yeah. yeah, I don't. And honestly, that's basically what the explanation for her death is. Yeah, like that's all they say about <laughs> yeah. it. Basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> she was a crack hoe. 
Duh. And like, it's not, it's not, we don't get, we don't get the emotion of Rhodey losing his sister. You know, it is, it's really shorthanded and it is kind of all about his anger in her, in response to this thing that like should, should mean more, you know, for a character that's been around this long. Man. I don't know. Like, like this guy was, this guy's Iron Man. Yeah. He used to run <laughs> like, Stark. He used to run this, yeah. the you know, Stark Industries. Of- <laughs> he- yeah. And, and, and the, I don't know, may, and you know, maybe I'm not the person to talk about this. I'm going to tell you the part that actually made me the most uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Is how he just wouldn't refer to any woman by their actual name. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, you know, your name's Marcy. No, you're, you're Marcy. But like, it feels like, it feels like the writer's going somewhere with that, mm-hmm. but not really. Like, yeah. what, where he's going is that he actually finds a police officer whose name is actually Marcy, and then by the end, they kind of start dating, I think. But, like, there's nothing deeper than that. It feel like there <laughs> would be some resolution, but nah. Nah. What an, what an insane way to approach the world. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to use one name, and if I ever hit, if I ever get hit the jackpot and find that person... They're the one. They're the one I'll connect. He's to. like, wait, you're, uh, your yeah, name's it's Marcy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Guess we gotta hang out. Um, <laughs> well, I guess I'm proposing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, stru- so structurally, too, it's like okay, the first issue is a roadie issue. The second issue is the um, the White Panther issue, which I actually think is a little better because, like that, that to me, I actually have some tethers too with what's going on at Black Panther. Mm. I think so. The White Panther is this biracial character who comes out of pretty strong on Black Panther. Towards the end of that run, like he's he's the like Casper's kind of the Panther mm-hmm. that we're following a lot of times. It's an interesting. I would dare say he's an interesting the era. Worst. I would dare say he's probably the worst Black Panther. Yeah, I mean, because you got you got T'Challa, Shuri. <laughs> um, who else? Technically, who else? you've Ted. You in a roundabout way, technically, Killmonger was. Uh, Black Panther for like for a, a hot minute. New York minute. And, and, and you go, you then. go, Killmonger as Panther over. Oh yeah, uh, over wasn't Casper. wasn't T'Challa's <laughs> white uh, white brother in a in a Black Panther suit? I was well, uh, at some point. What's that, his name? I can't remember the name of that guy. Uh, Hunter. His, uh, yeah, mean, exactly. His, he his name is only Hunter, and he <laughs> basically. I think I think if I remember correctly, I know I remember he always had his own like White Panther costume. But, oh, I think he's the white wolf. Yeah, he's the white wolf. Oh, and yeah. which I always thought was funny when they started using that moniker in the MCU. I was like, okay, what are y'all doing here? For Bucky, yeah. I'm like, what why? Why? Why are we doing this? Why are we comparing him to a, a very problematic, you know, uh have you know, adopted sibling? Why are we doing this? Uh listen, they they didn't call him back with the white gorilla, so they had to, to right. put it somewhere. Else. <laughs> I was like, what what are we doing here? Why? But no, oh, I God. I don't yeah. I man, you know, and the more I the more I think about it, I don't just don't like this. I hate this book. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this book. I actually yeah. do. I don't hate many things, and I try not to. But like, man, yeah. Now I'm thinking about. It, I'm like, I don't. I don't like this book at all. <laughs> it's such a weird book. It, it really is. It because it feels it feels like it has these kind of legacy legs of like of respect mm-hmm. in a way. Like like I've seen like really critics and and writers who I like a lot who talk very fondly of the crew. Um, like like Tanahisi Coates wrote a crew spinoff following black panther yeah um, black panther and the crew. during the black panther run yeah and which which i think is better frankly yes um but that it's it's a very deliberate like well here's a nod to this thing that that more people should pay attention to is kind of the 
the idea there. Um, Evan Evan Narcisi, and I don't know if I'm saying the last name correctly, so mm. apologies if I got that wrong. Um, but he wrote an article back when he was just doing comics crit stuff, and now is writing a bunch of comics himself. Um, but that was like, you know, crew number five is like the blackest Marvel comic I've ever read, and he talks about the series very fondly. Um, so it, it, there's a sense to me of like, well, these people respect it. Maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe there's something here, you know? So it, so anyway, that's that's why I include it because it's like I feel like there's should be I don't know it feels like it's it could be a hidden gem but my experience reading it is never that with the exception again of the of the one issue um Charlotte what what's your I, take on on reading this as a whole I mean I think like I definitely didn't have as much of a like distaste uh, response uh, as you <laughs> you both did like I I agree that it's not it's far from from the the best comic we've read uh, or even the best of that kind of street level comic we've read uh, in the 2000s um, and especially after reading truth like it pays in comparison um I think like I'm really interested in some of the ideas for it like just the idea of that that team of people and like of them basically being all either new or, like, very secondary players, except for War Machine. Um, like, I, yeah. I like that. Like, I saw, I didn't read the Black Panther and the Crew 2017 series, but I saw what the, like, what the characters in it were, and I'm kind of disappointed that it's, like, very high-level characters. It's right. Luke Cage, Storm, it's um, Manifold, like, big black characters from, from that time. I can like them being like using that ID to to give a spotlight on lesser known characters or like even new characters in the case of um in, in the case of Josiah. I agree that by far the issue five is the best issue of the lot. Um but yeah I I I guess I liked the ID the ideas enough that the actual execution didn't put me off that much. Um mm. but like yeah it's it's far from it's not that much uh, it's not a, an all out success or anything. But yeah, like the 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 portrayal of War Machine was really weird and and kind of bad, but like weird enough that I was mostly just weirded out by it more than annoyed. Like <laughs> yeah. I just didn't know what was going on really. If I'd missed like a whole Iron Man run where he he becomes an a hole. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure, right. Which it's maybe like I have. I don't know. These things I haven't happen. read Iron Man in a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's but, talk about let's talk about Josiah X a little bit here because yeah. this is this is definitely. The most interesting new character creation, and again, it's the true sequel. Um, so, short story: Josiah X is a black Muslim minister who the big cliffhanger reveal at the end of issue four is is wearing a Captain America costume uh, vest underneath. Like he gets shot and it's deflected, and it's because he's got his cap vest on. What we learn in issue five is Josiah X is the long lost genetic son of isaiah and faith from truth um literally where the government like because they were experimenting and taking things from isaiah without isaiah without consent um you know they took his dna and i think they even took eggs from faith and then they used a surrogate mm -hmm. to to have josiah born that is correct though okay yes thank you and uh the the surrogate brings i um josiah to faith in like the 50s Faith being Isaiah's wife, and and Faith is like, no, we're watched by the government. Like they're like, you can't be here, basically. And but they they run a little ruse. They do, I think, a pretty effective kind of Moses spinoff, essentially. 
Um, and, and priest is priest went on to be a priest. <laughs> like he's, he knows the, he knows the Bible. Um, you know, he's, he's talking about Moses and putting the, the baby in the basket and that stuff. And, and that's what they do with Josiah, you know, on a train just to get him out of there and give him a chance. And then we get basically a, a one issue of Josiah's journey, which is like, like he goes to Vietnam. He's, he's in a, a Catholic school. He's, you know, we kind of see his journey reconciling you know race in america and how how black men are treated reconciling christianity versus you know muslim which is what he or islam which is what he adopts um and and then ultimately finding his way back eventually because he he also has super strength i mean bearing lead there he's got the the isaiah super soldier serum in his genes um and he eventually makes his way back to discovering faith in isaiah and you know visits the house and you know, plays games with Isaiah, right? And develops some sort of relationship. This character is very interesting. I think Um, the most fascinating thing about it is also maybe the most heartbreaking, which is like Marvel put this out in the world, but has never since even approached the idea of a black Muslim Captain America. Mm. Like that is, it's like it exists here and here only. Yeah. Josiah X never comes up again. Mm -mm. Um, Yeah. Not literally, but like he's not in comics again. (laughs) The fact that in 2003, Marvel put out a comic with a black Muslim Captain America that's like about his inner thoughts and his like ideas about should he become Captain America, stuff like that. And it's never at, it's never at any point used to like gratuitously throw out some Islamophobic slurs or anything. Like, Mm, feel like even, even Christopher Priest's own other Marvel comics, like it feels like in Black Panther, Everett Ross would have like been used Mm. to, to throw some of that in there. Like, it feels so refreshing Mm. on that level that it's very much just about that character, his inner workings, his personality, his, his place in the world, both in the Marvel universe and he's like, in like, the the things he suffered he's a really interesting character he's a really interesting character and it's baffling that nothing has been done with him since because like how (laughs) how we've how many how many captain america comics have we had since then without that character because that that's crazy so let's let's transition this to talking a little bit about legacy Mm because i think this is this is definitely what leads to this um ernie i want to throw it to you next in terms of kind of your reaction to all this and and what it means to you, but like the legacy that we get out of Isaiah and out of Truth, and then Josiah X, which happens shortly thereafter. The legacy that does happen is Eli Bradley, who's the grandson of Isaiah, becomes Patriot. Found I won't spoil anything about the stories, but like founds the Young Avengers, and then also kind of disappears over the course of about seven to eight years. Mm-hmm. And he's the most well-known legacy. Um, now I want to talk about some rumors and some theories that I've found out in the last three hours mm-hmm. uh, about why this is happening. But Ernie, kind of what's your, it's been 20 years. Yeah. Um, these characters, like you said, like Isaiah shows up at the wedding of Black Panther and Storm. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Otherwise, rarely referenced. Ta-Nehisi Coates wrote a Captain America run. I was just thinking about this today. Like, they don't come up in that. Mm-mm. You know, certainly not a certainly not a creator who's afraid to touch these subjects. That would have been uh, the what place. Do you, what do you think going on? That would have been the place, yeah. wouldn't have been. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, how do we not? How is there not an arc? You know, I, but uh, what do you think? Honestly, I don't get why we haven't seen more usage. Like, okay, so you've you've got you get a little bit of a taste 
of I think if I remember correctly, there's like a passing mention of Josiah somewhere outside of the crew, and it like it's the most mm-hmm. passing of passings. I think it's Young Avengers. Yeah, it's in Young Avengers, uh, and it's in it, it's literally like in conversation, I believe, like with yes, with uh, you know, with Eli. But even then, it's like yeah, you, th- these these characters are never really addressed. I mean, yeah, you like they're used. I tell you what, it is Isaiah Bradley is used more as a plot device uh, um, in Young Avengers, and that's really like the most that Isaiah Bradley ever does. After yeah. Uh, truth, yeah. Without going you know, off into that, it's like he is literally used as a plot device to move Eli's story forward, and then it's pretty much a wrap. Uh, Josiah is only mentioned in passing, and we're just kind of left to wonder, like, yeah, what are these, what are these cats up to now? Like, like what's what's going on? Like, how did the how did these characters fade off into obscurity? Especially someone like Josiah X is just like, oh. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep a low profile from now on, y'all. Don't don't come bother me. Uh, like yeah, right. I, I always joke about witness protection, but this is like the epitome of witness protection. Like, what does he know? What does he have on anybody in the Marvel Comics universe? He's had he's had to be tucked away and uh, uh, yeah. hidden away. Is he in the raft? Did he, was he arrested? Did, did something we didn't know about? Did they put him in the Myrmidon? Was that was the Myrmidon even a thing when like Josiah X was? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I have so many questions about it because there's even an issue. And I'm also shocked that this didn't happen here either. Uh, but yeah, I've even kind of joked about it. Like, there's the issue, uh, I believe it's the uh, issue, like, 24, uh, 23 or 24 of uh, uh, Ta-Nehisi Black Panther run, where he mm-hmm. uh, basically, he effectively does, like, the Avengers endgame, like, on your left and yeah. uh, uh, moment. But instead of it just being, you know, a bunch of random Avengers, it's just a bunch of random uh, black superheroes from across the Marvel Comics universe, like X Men characters, Avengers characters, yeah. uh, you know, characters th- that people don't even talk about. And even there, I see two versions of Patriot. Neither one of them, uh, but, but you know, not not a, a single one of them, or any of the other characters that are you know, related to them appear. Mm. Uh, you, know, it, you know, Josiah X doesn't just come running up out of a portal. <laughs> to, right. to, to help Black yeah. Panther, which you think that would be yeah. the thing he would do, you know, uh, uh, just a, even just a visual reference. Yeah, no, right? not even, not even the first. I, I don't. I so feel long. like you know what it is. I, I, I can tell you exactly what it is. I can tell you exactly what it is uh, because it's the same thing they do with characters like Blue Marvel. Um, there are just certain characters, and you know, the fact that they are black is we're going to pretend is a coincidence. Uh, <laughs> but like in the case of Blue Marvel, I could make a better case. I, I could I could make even more sound argument because it's like, oh, I get it. Blue Marvel's so powerful that he's hard to write around. Uh, you know, if he if he's around, then you know, sure the the, the threat level is not as I don't know threatening. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet mm-hmm. it's okay for the Century to hang around. Uh, but and I guess even then they don't even really let the century hang around that much anymore, really. Um, no. but like, you know, a character like Josiah X, I think maybe it's because he would, maybe he would lead people to ask the questions people don't want to be asked. Like, well, where has he been? It's like, maybe they'll just forget about him and maybe we can bring him out later. You know, when we come out with Falcon and Winter Soldier season two or, or I guess what is the Captain America New World Order? Maybe they'll bring him up there, and then like, oh, then we can well, start bringing more comics out about him. Like, I don't know if that's like yeah. the 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 quotey fingers long game that they try to play, but it's this. 
I feel like a lot of times there's certain you know, black characters that they get their moment and you know you'll have to wait for Al Ewing to write a book about them to you know, see them. <laughs> you know yeah. that, that's that's Blue Marvel. I don't see Blue Marvel in anything right? unless Al Ewing's writing it. Mm-hmm. So which you know maybe which is good. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's Al's doing good work, yeah. but uh, maybe maybe that's the thing. Yeah, maybe Christopher Priest. <laughs> came back maybe he would write more but he, he would we'll see him at, at marvel anytime soon. no nah, yeah. i and honestly it's for the best it's for the best you're okay with that yeah. <laughs> um i do uh i think you're i think you're right i mean my first my first thought is well marvel's probably just scared yeah right like this is the safest and and easiest explanation um you know charlotte you you touched on this very early but just in terms of like kind of the miracle of truth existing and being published with seemingly very little um editorial like flattening Mm -hmm. right there's there's a real specificity and a fearlessness to it um i don't know the behind the scenes maybe it was going to go even harder i don't know um but it's there's a the miracle of that is just like when when creators get to tell stories about marginalized groups they don't usually get to do it in this way um so so kind of unflinching and so my 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 assumption with especially with Jedi X would just be like, well, they're just terrified of of the idea of of a black Muslim Captain America and like the conversations they would have to defend, mm-hmm. frankly. Um I just don't think they're a publisher that typically wants to wade into those waters. <laughs> the the one thing that I've been seeing again, so I, I tweeted before this podcast, I was like, where are these characters? Like, has anyone seen because I, I was kind of excited after I read this. I was like, you know what? I'd like I'd like to read whatever weird little one-offs they've had mm-hmm. and in researching it i was like there's like nothing nope there's like absolutely nothing that exists with the exception of that robert morales captain america and i talked about which is like immediate aftermath um so i i tweeted like where you know has anybody seen anything hoping maybe there's some mentions patriot hasn't been seen since like 2017 with the exception of the the black panther endgame moment mm-hmm. right which is a non-speaking just visual yeah, role he just shows up and, and he's just there i didn't even i forgot that there was actually more than one patriot when i saw that scene yeah, right. I forgot. Who, who wouldn't have, right? It's. I mean, you haven't seen the character in, in a decade. Um, one thing that a couple people mentioned, mm-hmm. which is unverifiable, but it has been mentioned, so I'm going to recklessly mention it as well. Uh, there's some rumors that there are some rights issues mm. between Marvel and some of the creators of Isaiah Bradley, and then, I guess, impacting any derivative characters. Now... This is unverifiable. I can find no sources, but that would actually be a behind-the-scenes thing that would make the most sense. Like if you asked a Marvel, like if you got to talk to Tom Brevoort and he was weirdly honest, <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> and it was like, why haven't we seen Isaiah Bradley? And he was like, uh, Robert Morales Estate owns the right because Robert Morales passed yeah. a handful of years ago, uh, very young, you know, sadly. Um, but uh, he was like, their their estate owns the rights. We can't publish comics with them without their consent or something that would explain potentially the disappearing act but, i don't know if there's any truth to that though yeah because uh. like no no other marvel characters work like that and no. also that character's been in the movie in a in a tv show two years ago so like that yeah. how how would those rights work uh, how would I mean, how would that be the case how did they get creator own rights yeah on a marvel character <laughs> when marvel? jack kirby couldn't and nobody For else has that right? I, America character yeah that's yeah i, I mean sounds- I'll be honest, the only reason I would even give this, the once again, like I said, this is hearsay at this point, but the only reason I'd even give it, like, the inkling 
of the time of day is because of the Milestone Media case. Uh, okay. Where Milestone Media was actually supposed to relaunch back, like, I think it's like 2014, 2015. Yeah, yeah. But because uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who uh, whose untimely passing uh, kind of led to those rights being held up, it was a deal where, like, Reggie Hudlin, Dennis Cowan, and a lot of the other people that were originally involved with Milestone had to uh, come to some kind of you know, agreement with the McDuffie yeah. estate. And yeah. it took them a few years to figure that out. Uh, because, like, it was like, oh, because if you ask Reggie Hudlin, like, oh, it's on the way. And it's like, that that was every year for until, like, you know, uh, 2021. And it wasn't by choice. No. That was, there, was a, there was a moment in 2020 where I was like, screaming i felt like to be like where's milestone yeah like, it is insane that there's no milestone stuff and then yeah like i, I researched it and it was like oh it's it's stuck in legal mm -hmm. like it's th this isn't their choice they yeah. didn't say we don't want to make milestone comics mm -hmm. um anyway as much as i yes, could talk you're, you're saying I, I had spoken with mcduffie's uh wife in passing like like just like some some dms and yeah. while she wouldn't say like what it was i pretty much was like context clues yeah that's what it was. It was just they. Yeah. It it all had to be hashed out, ironed out in court, and they finally did. Thankfully, so I would be willing, just based on that story, the similarity, sure. But yeah. like Charlotte just said, we saw him in Falcon and Winter Soldier, so clearly that wasn't the issue, unless there was some legal loophole they were able to use him in a movie, but just not in anything else. Right. That's the only thing that that could even potentially make that make sense. But I just. It, 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 it makes me feel the thing I don't want to feel is that it's not rights, just laziness or yeah. worse, malice. <laughs> well, right. And the, the dripping irony, the insidious irony, if truth, mm -hmm. this story about a character's heroism being kept from the American populace for decades, right? And, and they're, they're, you know, the trauma they suffered being hidden, the dripping irony of, and then those characters being forgotten to time and, and covered up in this, like, it's just like, really? Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's super upsetting. I mean, the, the weirdest one to me is Eli Bradley, where this character had a significant fan, because Isaiah Bradley and Josiah, Josiah X are admittedly way under the radar characters, mm -hmm. right? Especially prior to the past two years. Um, th these were like in the know books, right? You know, th these were not like top tier young Avengers people know, mm -hmm. right? People talk about, and then the disappearing act of Eli Bradley over the 2010s <laughs> is a similar thing where it's like, what happened? What is mm -hmm. happening? Like that one, that one especially makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> and unsure. Um, yeah, that it's that it's yeah, the, the easiest answer, like you said, is is just kind of carelessness yeah. and, and laziness on the part of, of what is done with these characters that have some meaning. Uh, Charlotte, you were going to say? No, but then again, like Marvel, I, I just like looked up because I, I, I remembered something about that. Marvel put out a trade paperback of Truth like a year ago. So they did. Also, they, they, just got it, have the, they just got it back because they February saw it would be profitable. Yeah. yeah, they actually they that put was out a hard cut. Fuss. They even put out a hard yeah, cut. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. Yeah. that was when 2020 hit. And there was renewed demand for it, and then the show comes out, and they still didn't have in-print editions of it. They were like, oh, there's money to be had here. Mm -hmm. We'll finally make this, um, which is 
obviously what drives a lot of publishing. Uh, okay, so I I do genuinely I'm gonna I'm gonna try and pull on some strings because I've not seen any reporting on this. Yeah, it's, it does feel like a thing where it's like, well, this, especially with the MCU component of this now. Yeah, where Isaiah Bradley's gonna be in the next Captain America movie, right? Um, in Captain America four. And somehow this character is going to have movie presence. Is it then going to lead to comics presence or is it still going to be tied up in this rumored legal thing where, cause that that's pretty bonkers if they can use him in the MCU, but they can't publish comics like that. Would, it would just be a pretty unprecedented kind of thing. Yeah. Literally be the Marvel. only Marvel character that that's the case. Well, for. I thought maybe America Chavez cause America Chavez has some tricky roots mm-hmm. where like Joe Casey and I, I forget the collaborator, but like they didn't, they introduce that character in an image book. And then, like, somehow it made its way to Marvel. Yeah, that, right? no, that, that's an, that's Angela, right? Well, Angela Spawn. Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so that that's was, a different thing. And that was just pettiness. That? that was peak pettiness on the part yeah, yeah, of Neil. That Gaiman. was messy, petty legal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you, you can't yeah, have her. I didn't know that about America Chavez at all. Yeah, America Chavez has some. I, I don't know if there's a legal issue so much as just kind of a complicated past. Yeah, I want to say. Okay. Um, because they're like Casey's original version of the character too is quite different mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know I, I, she's talk, definitely she definitely doesn't look like a teenage girl in the movie no i mean like <laughs> mean? in the in the comic like in the like oh, in her okay. first appearance like yeah because she's supposed to be like i think 15 16 years old in her first appearance yeah and she looks yeah. like she is like in her mid-20s uh and it's kind of weird I don't know. It feels okay. It, 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 I, I haven't yeah. read those original Casey things. Yeah, I, I've only the first I read the character was was the Gillen McKelvey Young Avengers. Keep it that way. Keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, keep it okay. that way. Don't 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 change. Don't change, Dave. Don't change it. I'm good. I'm keep good the that. continuity. Those things don't exist. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, strings to be pulled, a mystery to be unraveled. But I think you know, in the short term, for every reading, I would say if you haven't already done the reading, um, truth is a must. I would say read the crew number five. Charlotte, would you say folks should read more of the crew? Like, would you go that far or you're just I mean, like, I don't hate it. Honestly, read number five. If you like it, read the rest. Like, I, I don't think it's that much trouble to, to read it uh, not sure. in the right order. Um, but like, yeah, if, you, if you're interested in that legacy, I think reading the whole series will give you more context to, to that character. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Ernie, uh, any final thoughts? Anything <laughs> anything you want to put a bow on um, before, we, before we wrap? Yeah, truth. Read it. Uh, read it cover to cover. Uh, if you can find the trade paperback or the hardcover, get that. Uh, you know, put some, yeah. uh, put some, let Marvel know that you care about this character because honestly, you have to vote with your dollars. Yeah. Uh, let That's the way to let them know. And honestly, while I will say, I think you could get away with just reading... The crew number five and nothing else. If you can find a trade of the crew, buy that too, because maybe that means Josiah X gets to come out of witness protection. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because right now he's on the run. Uh, he's on the run, and I would like to see him back, but uh, the only way that uh, we'll see him again is if we somehow raise. Uh, 150 million dollars uh, in ransom and hand it over to Marvel, and they'll they'll release uh, Josiah. We X. do need to <laughs> we do need to get hashtag free Josiah. Yeah, trending we do. Because uh, there's not enough not enough conversation around that. Um, uh, no, that's a good point. I mean, it definitely is the sort of thing where it's like, I mean, money talks. Yeah. Um, and it's you know they they need to know this stuff is 
is relevant. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm genuinely astonished by Truth, Robert Black. If you like this book, uh, again, Robert Morales actually doesn't have a boatload of comic stuff that you can touch. Um, but Kyle Baker has more. It's a pretty sprawling catalog. But there's a really fascinating Plastic Man book that uh that baker both wrote and drew for dc mm. in the early 2000s um it is way more comical and way more fun um than than truth so you can check that out uh baker also has um a, a couple books that i've read and really enjoyed one is called why oh jesus why i hate saturn might be it's either why i love saturn why i hate saturn i think it's why i hate saturn um which is very 90s almost seinfeldian kind of like indie comics and uh, the other one is uh, Nat Turner, which is a four-issue biography of the Nat Turner story and uh, and the Slave Rebellion there, which is really well done. And Baker's done a bunch of other stuff too, including uh, Baker was an editor or an intern at least at Marvel in like the 80s. And he did these like New Yorker-esque strips about X-Men called It's Genetic. Have either of you seen these? No, I've never seen They're those. They're quite fun. Yeah, yeah. If you just Google Kyle Baker, It's Genetic – um, there are some blogs that have a bunch of them posted and they're just these goofy little spin off like like imagine I, I just I'm so impressed by like New Yorker cartoons that are actually good and uh, like someone trying to do that with X-Men and have them just be like genuinely like I don't know like laugh out loud funny but at least like oh, maybe smile like it's it's got that vibe they're nice check them out mm, I'm, put, I'm putting <laughs> it on the list I'll be I'll be looking these yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at one of uh, Scott Summers eating breakfast and spitting it out while seeing uh, Iceman coming out of the of a very hot shower, looking like he's like three centimeters tall, and he's like, yeah. "I tell you, Scott, nothing like a good hot shower in the morning." <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, I'm gonna jokes. I'm gonna yeah. look that up because that's that's really fun. <sighs> All righty, perfect. Uh, Ernie, where should people find you? Where should they find yourself? Oh man, uh, you'll find me at uh, YouTube.com forward slash. Uh, Blur Without Fear, or at Blur Without Fear, because apparently that's a thing on YouTube now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you can also find me on, uh, you can find me on social media everywhere else, Blur Without Fear, but uh, I'm more active on Twitter uh, than I am any other social media uh, platform. Uh, so, uh, blurred, uh, at Blurred Minus Fear is uh, where you'll find me there. Perfect, perfect. My Marvelous Year is at My Marvelous Year on social. You can find me at Comic Book Herald and ComicBookHerald.com. Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. And again, support for the show is over at patreon.com slash my marvelous year. So, Ernie, thanks so much for joining us for this conversation. Really appreciate it. Uh, part three of 2003. Next time, we're going to be talking about, oh, Charlotte, I think this is the one we already recorded. Um, it's uh, it's Captain Marvel, Ooh, written yeah. by Peter David, and uh, Marvel Universe The End and Thanos by Jim Starlin. So those are the the excited for people up. to get to hear that conversation. <laughs> it was a it was a good conversation. I enjoyed yep. that one. Um, okay, all right, perfect. Let's call it. Good job. Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you next year. See you next year. See you. <laughs>